Um, and there's a difference between people who let the world happen to them and people who like, I'm going to go out and be the author, actor, director of my day. And I'm going to, I'm going to do the world today. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. It is episode 042. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. So great to have you here. I am here to inspire you, unleash your limiting beliefs, and cause you to move towards being your most effective self. And that means getting up in your business. So I'm in the middle of packing and getting ready to jump on a plane. I'm going to Munich, Germany in just a few hours. And one of the perks of the company I work with is the opportunity to go overseas and serve our European members of our association. So in fact, I'll be um, at the BMW headquarters and that's freaking exciting. Um, so I can't wait. In addition, I'm also leaving a few days early to do some sightseeing. Um, I don't do that a whole lot. I don't get to just play. And my wife told me if you're going to Germany, you have to go and look around. She used to live there for a year. And so I'm taking her advice. Um, so I've never been to Germany before, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, if you follow me on social channels, please expect to see a lot of posts coming your way. And furthermore, I'll be shooting more of my encouraging videos as I feel inspired. Um, if you are in the Up In Your Business private Facebook group, I may even drop by and do some live video. Um, if you are not in the private Facebook group, you can search on the top of your Facebook screen, type in Up In Your Business private group, and you'll see it pop up. Go ahead and make a request to come in, and I will make sure you get there. So all in all, it's very exciting. I still have a whole lot of stuff I have to do before I get out of here. So let's jump into the show right now. Um, I am talking to an executive advisor and business coach at Revelry Labs. He's also worked for companies including Prime Loop, 500 Startups, LaunchRock, Zappos, User Voice, and Seismic. Today, we're talking to Thomas Canole. Let's jump into that interview right now. Thomas, how are you and what's the most passionate thing you've done in the last six days? Oh, man. First of all, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for, thanks for picking up the phone. <laughs> Man, the last six days, most passionate thing. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a dad now, and so I think um, just getting to hang out with the little man, mm -hmm. some, some version of either our mouth sound fart noise contest. Um, he's pretty good, so yeah. I'm... I thought I could coast. I'm going to have to step up my game because he's, he's a little too good at it right now. <laughs> and how old is he now? Uh, just like nine and a half months, something mm -hmm. like that. That's awesome time. Are you getting sleep yet? No, yes, no. <laughs> but, so, so my problem is like I'm actually really good on six hours yeah. of like go to bed, get you know, three full cycles, you know, wake up fresh as can be. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm good on not much sleep whenever it's just the short amount I get is super solid. So now, you know, I'm, I'm getting more hours than that, but there's been maybe four times in the past year that, uh, you know, it's been longer than a 45 minute stretch at a time. So I don't know when the last time was that I had like, full full cycles and so that's the part i'm missing nobody really prepares you for what actually you know transpires and many young 
adults, you know, see parenting and they're like, well, that just looks insane. That's crazy. (laughs) Why would I want to subject myself to that? And they have all these ridiculous fantasies of what parenting is like. And they're right. (laughs) And on one hand, they're 120% accurate, right? And then there's this other side where it's like there's this empowered uh, ability, capacity. I don't know what it is. But you've got this little creature that depends on you that that doesn't know any otherwise and innocently demands things that they don't even have really control over. Yeah. And you can't help yourself but want to be involved in helping this little creature be protected from anything and everything in the world. <laughs> so now that we've talked about fatherhood, and maybe we'll come around to that a little bit uh, later, for you and for our listeners, um, I want to introduce you to uh, Thomas Noel, who has known my family for quite some time vis-a-vis my brother and um, has far more uh, connection with him than me. So I kind of came along for the ride and jumped on the, uh, uh, the, the tail of the, of the coat for that. It's Thomas, like a two-for-one. It's a two-for-one. It's the Full Nelson special. Hashtag Full Nelson. So, Thomas, tell us about uh, who you are and what you do. Man. Um, I'll rewind a whole lot and then try to fast forward quickly. For 20-something years now, I've been building online community. Um, I started out with, like, real people groups of things uh, in person. And back in 96... Went down to Walmart and bought a copy of cool HTML 1.0. And uh, I was like, I think I can make websites for these groups to stay better connected when we're, you know, not in person. Um, And that took me down a 10-year path of more and more and more building websites. And uh, woke up 10 years ago and realized I was only making websites and not really doing any of the people stuff. So... Went out to San Francisco, pitched myself as I know code and development and how that works, but I really like people. So can I sit between your developers and your customers and users and maybe translate a little bit between grumpy, angry, why are you so stupid, and how come this doesn't work, that should go faster, don't you care what I feel? Um, And uh, so started doing that. And uh, worked with a couple startups in the the Bay Area, one of which was User Voice. Uh, jumped on uh, with them early on with Marcus, and um, built the uh, first first little bit of that. Um, then went out to Vegas to be the community architect at Zappos.com, and. Uh, then went back to the Bay Area and took two startups from a startup weekend idea through 500 startups uh, accelerator program to exit. And uh, so we sold both of those. And I was going to start my third one when we uh, got back to Minnesota last year and was looking around and just trying to figure out what was my favorite part of all of that. Um, and I had been mentoring at 500 startups and with Startup Weekend, Techstars, and uh, advised a couple of friends on their companies and just realized that was actually my favorite part was helping other entrepreneurs survive and thrive at you know building their, their teams and their companies. Um, and so turned my hobby into my career. And uh, so that's what I'm doing now is uh, working – with the executives and entrepreneurs on kind of a little bit of everything because I've seen it all, done it all, big company, early stage startup and everything in between with the e-commerce and brick and mortar. And so it's kind of all over the place, but what's common is it's, it's the, it's the creators and builders and, and leaders of those companies, helping them with all the regular stuff, growth, marketing, fundraising, um, but uh, but also the um, how do I tell my co-founder that I hate them? Um, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I have to fire someone. Who's going to be like? Um, there's a billion things I need to do right now. How do I decide where to start? Um, 
I can't check my email anymore. What do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. It's, yeah right. it's just kind of the, you know, there's so many things that have to happen for a business to work. And on one hand, it's super exciting in the startup land now that it's so easy to start a company. Everything's in the cloud. Everything's in APIs. You can, you know, there are all kinds of contractor resources available that you can, you know, pull together. So it's extremely easy to start a company. Um, and a lot of people are skipping going and having t- 10, 20 years experience in a real job before doing that. And so now they end up, you know, they think they're going to do a startup. They end up with a company with a bunch of employees and now they're trying to learn how to actually make the the company work besides yeah. just how does the business work. Yeah, I heard somebody say once that it's really easy to start an app or, you know, build an app, but it's it's a whole nother thing to build a business. Yeah. So sure. what are some of the things that people struggle with, you know, more commonplace that you found, whether that be in a mindset or emotion or a um, you know, way of thinking that really kind of hinders some of the static of the scaling of a business? Man, so it's a good question. And it's a hard one because for the very reasons I love doing this um, is it's just so unique um, to every person. I think a, lo- a lot of it really comes back to decision-making and communication. So there's all kinds of very niche versions of, I need to make a decision and that is hard. Which decision should I make? Usually that ends up being the question is like, which decision is the right one? Essentially, can you give me some advice? Um, And the first piece of advice that I give everyone that I talk to is advice is the worst thing that could ever happen to an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. like at, at best you get advice from someone, it works out really, really well. You make a ton of money or you grow or, you know, something great happens. And then the imposter syndrome sets in with, you know, everyone's congratulating you for like really great job on that decision you made that turned this into whatever. And you're like, did I really do that? Is right. it me? I didn't really make this. None of this is, you know. Like, I'm glad that 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 went well, but I don't feel like I did it. And, you know, so that's like best case scenario. Um, Worst case scenario is whenever someone gives you advice and you take it and it's not good advice for your situation, your stage, your business, your own culture and personality. You take it, it goes really, really wrong. And now when you want to blame the other person, uh, you really can't. Because uh, you took the advice, you just did it, you know, even though the gut check didn't check out and, uh, you know, you had concerns or, you know, you did the thing and it failed and there's no one else you can blame except for yourself. Mm. Um, you know, so all, so that's why I say, you know, advice is, is, is super dangerous. Um, and, and so that's where it really comes back to, you know, it really doesn't matter what someone tells you the decision is for this hard thing you're facing, you know, the, the questions there start to, we build around, how do you make decisions? What are you afraid of one way? What are you afraid of the other? Do you know anyone who has done this before? I know three people have done this before. Do you want to talk to them about their, each of their situations, how they throw through it and the decision they made end of the day, you still have to make decisions. I think it was, Mark Suster, Fred Wilson, one of the one of the greats, um, who who says something along the lines of you know the difference between a great entrepreneur and a horrible entrepreneur is a great entrepreneur makes the right decision fifty one percent of the time, and a bad entrepreneur makes the right decision forty nine percent of the time. You know, there's not much of a gap between right and wrong decisions, and so it's 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 less about you know, just what is the right decision? Can you tell me what that is? And it has a lot more to do with how do you think through this? How do you, how are you going to live with it? What is the team going to be able to do? What can you execute on? What's the best for right now? So that's, what's fun about it. And what about, you know, you just alluded to a portion there is, is the hesitation factor. Like I know some businesses that have suffered because they've taken so long to make a decision Mm -hmm. and that in and of itself is a bad decision. Oh yeah. Sometimes you just have to execute and you have to move, even if you're not fully convinced that that's necessarily the best idea at least you can try it out and if it doesn't work you can immediately pivot and try something else 
in theory yeah and that's i mean that's, that's what you got to go for right like in indecision is is a decision it's deciding that like i don't want to deal with this right now i want to push it off i don't you know i'm afraid of what might happen so i'm gonna see if the decision will be made for me just by letting things happen to me um, and there's a difference between people who let the world happen to them and people who like you know i'm gonna go out and be the the author actor director of my day and i'm gonna I'm going to, I'm going to do the world today. <laughs> right. So what about the person who asks for help, but doesn't really want it? You know, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. the kind of person who's got enough, you know, arrogance and narcissism that they're only doing it because their VC said, you need to go talk to Thomas. And then you're talking to him and you know, he's not re really listening, you know, and I, and I think this, you know, a lot of business owners, they, they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's 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 extremely common, and I think most of the types of people that are crazy enough to think that they could make something out of nothing, you know, it's kind of like pe people describe building a startup as building a airplane in the air on the way down. The people who can set out to do that, so not the entrepreneurs, not the ones who haven't even stepped up and started, but the ones who have actually already started there almost has to be some amount of like, I can do this. Audacity of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, did you say audacity? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Perfect word. You know? And so, so I, I think, you know, it's a spectrum and I would say almost everyone is fairly high on the spectrum of I'm going to ask for this, but I don't really need it or want it or want to do with it. And it's either two versions. One, it's like, you know, part of what you mentioned was like, you know, the arrogance and the, and you know, the ego and the, that aspect of it. The other side is the, I really need help. I know that I need help. I'm going to ask for it. I get an answer that wasn't the shortcut or easy version that I was, you know, I wanted advice. You didn't give me advice. You gave me homework. Hmm. Um, and I don't want to do all of that work. I just wanted, you know, just give me the shortcut so I can do that. So it's almost everyone um, is on some spectrum of that. Um, well, just pay me a retainer. I'll I'll let you uh, be held by the hand the entire time. No problem. <laughs> exactly. A really, really big one. So um, when you have someone who is in leadership like that, um, we all know that that kind of arrogance or whatever plays out in a whole slew of other difficulties and challenges as the company grows. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is a leader who is humble, who has maybe the mindset of a servant or a mindset of wanting to help a mindset that's generous or, you know, full of, um, yeah, generosity. Mm -hmm. What are the aspects of the best leaders that you've worked with and what are ways that a new business owner could become that? Yeah. I mean, so I, I think, you know, one thing is the, you know, the other leader that you just described, those are a whole lot of great characteristics. Um, just like having audacity and a clear vision, you know, is really great. It can come with, um, you know, the the ego and, and those types of things. The other side, the generosity, the kind, the gentle heart, the the servant leadership, those are great characteristics. It can also carry along with it. Um, I don't want to ask for the sale. Um, we're just going to build relationships forever and trust that something good is going to come out of this. Um, I, I don't want to push people too hard. Um, so I'm going to pick up everyone else's work and do it for them because that seems like a, you know, a nice, so it's like it, it can lean towards martyr. Mm. Um, and so what I think is interesting is that, regardless of what type of characteristics you come to the table with as an entrepreneur, there's always ways to take your strengths and double down on those. But really successful people are always trying to grow in new areas. Um, during my discovery calls with clients, we always end up talking about um, this question, um, which I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you now with the big reminder that I always have to give that this isn't a rhetorical question it's actually a question for there to be an answer at the end. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Who is 
more likely to have one or two specialized coaches and trainers that they're working with. The professional NBA player who already has two championships under their belt, but probably another five or six years left in the league, or the Division II kid whose biggest dream in the world is becoming an NBA player uh, at all. Well, I think the latter would, would require the coaching, but it's probably the, the first one who actually has the coaching. Yeah. And that's the, that's the counterintuitive, like crazy thing is it's the, it's the pros, it's the professionals who are really successful at certain things at top of their game on certain things who are most likely to say, I want to add these three new skills and habits to my life. I think this is great. This is great. And this is great, but I really need to add that other thing to become the leader that, that I want to be the, the leader that the company needs. And it's the people who are like, I, I, you know, I, I don't really do everything great. Like I want to be somebody someday, but I don't think I have, you know, what it takes right now. You know, yes, they should be the person who's most aggressively going after I need to build this around me, but they're also least likely least likely to follow through, which is mm. which is a little bit crazy. All that to get back to to your question, you know, the regardless where they are on the spectrum of audacity to generosity, I think the things that are ultimately most required and the skills that need the most work for everyone at any stage in the game is a better ability to share a vision, a better ability to share the load. Mm. And my tone of voice sounds like there's more, but I think I can probably stop there. So I know a lot of people who say, I'm going to go be the CEO and start a company because I want to be in charge. I want to make decisions. I want to manage people and tell them what to do. I have this vision that I want to just own and put into the world and get all the credit for and I'm just going to get other people to do that for me and then sit around wondering like how come this isn't working how come other people aren't picking up you know all the other thing and the crazy thing is like actually to be a great entrepreneur you need to let go of a vision and communicate it and open it up in a way that it can be impacted not only by the rest of the team, but even by the market and by the customers. Mm -hmm. You need to not want to be in charge of things, but the ability to empower a team to do great things. You need to not you know, want to do all of the hard work. You should want to be able to get to a place where you're enabling everyone else to do all kinds of the really hard work and let go of control. Um, and so I think everyone needs constant work and training. You know, that's the other question going back to the, you know, the, the coaching thing, you know, it's like who is more likely to spend two, three, four times as much time off the court as on the court, a professional team or, you know, your, your local pickup league, uh, you know, just people who like really love the sport, you know, like we don't need to get paid for this. I just do this because I love it. Um, would you know, which of them is more likely to actually spend more time off the court than on the court? I'm going to say the professional probably. Yeah. Right. Like they watch, they spend hours rewatching the game, pausing, talking through little things that are going wrong and could be better. They spend hours just in weight training, mm -hmm. spend hours with nutritionists. They spend hours, doing all of these things that aren't the game itself, but are preparing for the next game. Um, and most of us are just amateurs, not professionals. Even the professional CEOs and co-founders and executives and companies, they don't act like professionals. They act like the most senior member of a, of a team. Do you struggle meeting new people? Attending events and networking, I've created an ebook to give you confidence, helping you connect with credibility and effectiveness. If you want a free copy of that ebook, you can simply get it by going to AngusNelson.com forward slash networking. Yeah, and I, I can say that even from my day job, working with people who've been to the top schools or working for the top companies and 
you know, they still have an element of humility, the, the good ones, yeah. you know, and still want to learn and still want to collaborate and still yeah. want to connect with their peers. And to me, that's really admirable. Those are the people that I can't help but respect. Right. Um, so what kind of business values do you think are like important for, you know, you've worked with small companies, you work with Zappos and you were kind of, weren't you kind of in the in-between stage of their explosive growth? I, I, yeah, I was just in the, in the middle of that. They had already sold to Amazon. The company was uh, growing very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, but revenues were, were growing very quickly. It was whenever we split, um, split the business out into 10 different businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was all kinds of fun, interesting things going on, um, with that. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that kind of goes into this question, you know, what are some elements or attributes of leadership in the amongst all of that without obviously naming names <laughs> that you would say really were beneficial and helpful to making those kind of transitions happen effectively and what kind of attributes probably were detrimental? Yeah. Oh, man. And this is where we probably say the bad news first. Let's talk about detrimental and then let's say helpful. Yeah. Um, so most detrimental is fear. Um, and there's a hundred different versions of that. Um, when businesses are growing quickly, it's very common for humans, which is really all businesses are, is a bunch of humans, um, to either hold on even tighter um, or just completely let go. And both of those are really dangerous. Um, so you have, when, when things are going quickly, you either have people who try to hold on to, you know, the businesses quote unquote diluting is the way they see it. And so they try to hold on more tightly to the power control and just habits, parts of the culture that they're most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, um, it's really hard for things not to tear or for them to squeeze something off until, you know, it dies. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't go very well for them and it affects all the people around them because they're squeezing so tightly mm. onto trying to hold things the way that they're comfortable with. Change is hard. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of change. Um, or on the other end, things are growing so quickly. I already don't feel like I have enough control or, or influence or the culture isn't working for me. And, and so now that this is changing so quickly, I'm just going to let go. I'll stay here. We'll see what happens. Um, but this isn't mine. Now I'm just letting go and kind of drafting along with, you know, whatever happens. Mm. Um, so I think that's the dangerous things that, that can happen. Um, and and the last one that kind of pivots into like a better way to address this is um, from the leadership perspective, um, not – admitting that not being the first one to bring up like hey a bunch of stuff is going to change this is going to be hard Mm. there's going to be challenges by the way some of you are going to try to hang on really tightly and some of you are going to try to just let go and see what happens you know just naming all of these things and calling it out is the best opportunity to say this is going to be hard here's the challenges that we're facing here's what we want to do with this is we don't want people hanging on too tightly. We don't want people just letting go. We're trying to add to the team uh, and not dilute it. We're not trying to take power away from people. We're trying to add more energy to the to the collective. Um, and so they have the opportunity to lead through that growth and all of that change by offering people coaching and training. Uh, you've been doing, um, you know, like in, this isn't even just in growth in businesses in general. There's this funny thing where we've decided that seniority means that you should just kind of keep going up the ladder, but the only ladder we give people is essentially management. Um, and just because someone is really great at a thing 
doesn't mean that they would be any good at all or even want to be any good at managing a bunch of people doing a thing. Mm. Um, but a lot of times that's the only path we give people is, well, if you want to raise, then you're going to have to become a junior director, a senior director of a regional VP, a VP of regional directors, uh, you know, like just like more and more management. I think they just they keep making up those names. They keep more and more. Religious. Oh yeah. Well, and especially now that, you know, people are just like, I'm a community architect. <laughs> just, just, I wouldn't just, know anybody like that. <laughs> Mr. Noel. <laughs> just making up new titles. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to be the chief of relationship officer. Um, the, uh, see, I'm just made up a good one. So for you, um, when you look at parenting, <laughs> do you see some parallels amongst how you could parent more effectively with said nine-month-old boy <laughs> and how to manage a company as it scales? Oh, yeah. Yeah, to, to, to the fear and detriment of my wife, um, uh, it's... it's <laughs> hadn't even thought about this much until you just said it, but um, just like in business and in leadership, um, I, I really like to let Peter make his own mistakes and try things and fall down and realize, Oh, whenever I climb the dog, it seems like she moves often. Maybe that's not stable and I shouldn't climb that. Um, but I'm not going to sit there and explain this to a nine month old, you know, and just give a, give a lecture about it. Although, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that I know have a hard time doing the same thing with their team. You know, no, no one ever wants to let people make the mistakes so that they learn and grow, mm-hmm. learn how to stand on their own two feet as it were. Put on bump. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that uh, that's a piece, and then we could go in an entirely different direction, talking about um, uh, flow and energy and and alternative time management stuff. Yeah, with um, allowing people to adjust their their workday to the their own circadian rhythm, and when they have the most energy, and and uh, not trying like. Yeah, it's pretty good to have some, you know, kind of a schedule. For us, like the whole, you know, his his schedule isn't on a time. It is on a, you know, within these two-hour windows, and then there's this, like, 30-minute window, and then there's, like, you know, after one nap that's at least 45 minutes, then there's two hours with the bottle and then sleep. So that might be 6.15. It might be 7.20. You know, we're not mm-hmm. the, like, Seven o'clock is bedtime. Right, right. So there's kind of like, these are when some things need to happen, but we also need to be flexible enough to kind of go with where his energy and cycles are at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm seeing more and more of that happen in, the, in, in companies where, you know, we're getting away from crazy amounts of meetings and specific work hours and vacation policies that are, you know, so crazy you know, it's, there's starting to be more of that flexibility. It seems like it works really well when people are willing to go with the flow. And along those same lines, and this is where I'm kind of going with this, is you get to work from Minnesota in your house, yeah. and, which is why you know your son so well, why you <laughs> yeah. know your family so well. But your company that you're working for is in New Orleans, right? And and I, yeah. if I remember, aren't there a couple other people that are in other places? But the base is is in New Orleans. Is that correct? Yeah, a quarter of the company's in New Orleans. We're we're opening up in in Minneapolis and Chicago and Dallas. So starting to starting to spread out a little bit. In light of all this, as companies are, you know, trying to start, try to build the ability and capacity for companies to build a team without being in the same building in the same location obviously comes with more challenges. Your background, which you haven't really kind of unpacked is community, the people power, the, the people psychology that you know so well. 
what are ways that someone who is going to start up or is already in you know business in the flux of business and is looking at these extended teams what are some ways that they can build culture and community effectively in a team that's not in the same building yeah i mean it, it goes it goes back a lot to something we were chatting about earlier which was actually allowing people to have influence and control to do the work to make some of their own mistakes a lot of the traditional office space mentality of you know how to run a company has to do with managers and time and butts and seats and you know that kind of stuff to like make sure that the machine is running mm-hmm. you know and that none of the parts are are wearing out or broken and you can't do that unless the machine's all in one room and you can walk by and be like well that part's really starting to make a lot of whining sounds we should replace it with one that's newer and younger and faster and better that uh we can break down for the next five years mm-hmm. um people by the way that was a it was a metaphor um, <laughs> yeah. um and and that might accomplish some of the goals of making sure that a whole lot of work is happening um I am entirely biased, but I don't believe that that's the best way to build a business. Um, I think it's way more effective whenever the vast majority of the people on the team have a shared vision, have a shared sense of purpose, have some shared goals, care about each other, care about the customer, care about whether people are being successful with the product or happy with the service or you know all those types of things and you can't you know go around and tattoo the core values on people's foreheads um and call it call it done um the only way to to do that is to trust people Mm. to help make sure people understand that they are trusted Mm -hmm. um uh, it's a nice little side sidebar of uh, there's an interesting book called The Five Love Languages, mm-hmm. um, which is not written for businesses, but I think it's really interesting for leaders to think about. Um, and the super short version of that is, you know, they break out five different ways people experience love. Um, I remember I don't have them all memorized, but like gifts would be one, acts of service would be another quality time um, would be another one. Um, and touch is one of them. Okay. Yep. That, you might have to talk, how, with, how H- talk with HR about that one. How, how could I forget physical, physical contact and time? Um, yeah. Um, and the interesting thing that it, that it teaches you and it's this weird aha moment of, you know, like, uh, and, and as soon as you, you know, as soon as you un like peel back the matrix, you start to see this happening all the time of it's really about how people experience love. Um, and just because I love gifts, um, and my wife loves physical touch. And if I'm just buying her gifts all the time, but not touching her, I feel like I'm doing something nice because gifts matter to me, but I'm not, having the empathy to kind of extract myself out of my own experience to go, no, what does she need to experience love? Mm-hmm. And even if I don't feel it the same way by giving it, that's the, that's the way she experiences it. And so similarly with managers, like just sitting back in your office and be like, I totally trust my whole team. And you go out and ask them like, well, it's interesting you say that because I never feel like you trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do this, this, and this, and you're like, no, don't do it that way. Do it this other way, um, with no explanation. Um, you know, so so there's that piece of not only trusting your team, but making sure they know that they're trusted, yeah. sharing the vision, and not just saying like we're a community. Um, anyone who has to say join our community, we're a community. Ninety percent of the time doesn't have a community because. Most communities don't sit around going like, we're a community. Come join our community. And if they do, they're usually some version of a cult. Um, and so so it's actually sharing the vision in a way. Like sharing means that 
everyone else can influence it as well. Um, you know, and it's, and it's not owned by one person and communicated to everyone else. It's actually shared with the whole team. Um, all this to say, when those things are happening, which ideally are happening at any great business, um, the, the downside on distributed teams um, approaches zero. Um, and the upside uh, becomes much higher than what you can do by not allowing a team to be distributed. Um, because people have different flows in their life and maybe they work better later in the day or maybe they're way better early on. Um, you know, maybe it's less about having to travel so much from a, from a home base, but you have people who love that role because they're going to be nomads anyway and want to go around from city to city. And that's just natural instead of like, Nope, you're in this job now. You're going to have to fly out four days a week to this, this whole region. Um, so really rambly way to say that the things that make great companies are the same things that enable a distributed workforce because people feel a sense of ownership. They're excited. Mm -hmm. They are able to make mistakes. They're able to act and make decisions on their own because they share the vision. They share the values. Um, and so they, can just go do great work and it's not about whether they're plugging the hole in your office cubicles mm, that's good all right so as we bring it in for a landing Mr. Holt, <laughs> what is something that you would tell a listener who um is trying to be better just trying to be better at leading their teams what is one nugget you would want to leave with them Who, um, I mean, well, th this won't be quite as effective in, in this type of conversation because we can't hear the other side of it. Um, but the first question would really be like, why? Hmm. Why, why do you want to change anything? Why, why do you want to be better? Why do you want to be more effective? Um, cause it's the easiest thing for someone to say. And sometimes it feels really, really good to say things like that. Or noble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, noble. Like, yeah, I'm really doing a lot of self work right now. Cool. What are you? What are you doing? You know, like, just do think. You know, like it, it's just stuff, man. <laughs> just thinking a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, so it, it really does start with why. Um, because there's a handful of different answers that can come from that. Sometimes it's because there's this big problem right now that I need to address. And that's where we get into, you know, some we were talking about earlier of like, you want to do work or you want your problem solved. Mm. Um, cause if you want your problem solved, here's a blog, go read it, see whether you want to do any of that stuff. If you want to do work, well, it's going to take a little time and we're going to have to do that. And so do you have time to actually do the work or are you just going to be frustrated with having to step out and do some practice time for a little bit? Um, the other thing is the answer to that question gives a really good sense of whether they're thinking more about what they want. Um, like because I'm unhappy because I really want to be doing something different, but I'm stuck. I, don't like the way things are going right now and I and I wish that they would just be different or I'm really excited about what's happening right now but I want to bring my team along for the ride or um, I'm trying to uh, work on my communication because I'm about to let go of this whole piece because I have a great team that can run with that mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to be spending more time out telling the story raising the next round recruiting you know uh, our next set of partners. Um, and, and I want to work on this, this, and this to be better at, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so much of it comes out of the answer to like, why do you say I want to, I want to be better. Um, if you do, and you have a great answer, the super now like generic washed out version is, um, 
do you really mean it? Because you can show up and you can put in the work and you can really care and give a shit about how this is going to turn out and anyone can get better. And it's just whether you're willing to show up and do the work. Mm. I love it. And the why of, is it about me or is it about the team? Is it about me or is it about you? Is it about my ego and narcissism or is it about the health, well-being and growth of those around me? I love yeah. it. If people want to get a hold of you, Mr. Thomas Knoll, how can they go about doing that? Uh, the internet works. No, no, because if just, someone just searches Thomas Knoll, they're going to get Mr. Adobe guy, that's and that's not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not me. Um, I think the uh, – man, this is a hard – like, it's stupid that this is hard. Like, it's so easy to go, like, you know, Twitter slash Thomas Knoll. I'm like, what was Twitter again? I think I used it one time last month. Uh, go to my MySpace page. <laughs> Here's my phone number, 415-935-3547. Say, hey, what's up? I was listening to this amazing freaking podcast <laughs> that changed my life. Uh, I just wanted to see if you were actually going to answer the phone. Uh, and you can just hang up or you can just giggle. Um, or you can ask a question if you want to. And you'll call him back. Yeah. Awesome. If I'm not meeting, I'll, I'll answer the call and we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks, Thomas. Really appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Thomas. This was a great insight into how a lot of these startups work, how they operate in particular. I want to kind of hone in on that whole concept of leadership. It seems to me that the premise of leadership throughout the years when I grew up was very different than how it is um, in this next generation. Um, it used to be that people used to lead with intimidation or fear or you know, power, and those were elements of leadership that were respected and revered for whatever reason. And I think that's all kind of turned on its ear over the last decade or so. And now leadership is becoming more empathetic, more compassionate. It requires a great deal of emotional intelligence. And according to the data that we've been studying um, in the future of work uh, with the company I work with, we're looking at a change, a dramatic shift in how companies are operating. And over the next five to 10 years, it's going to look very different. Um, and that element, and I'm not going to go into all that. In fact, I'll probably just record a whole show about what that's going to look like. But just to give you a quick nutshell, more and more employees are going to have to see themselves as free agents and there will be more contract labor um, than has ever been before. Um, that's both a threat as well as an opportunity because if you can see it as an opportunity, you'll be able to build your own personal brand. You're going to um, develop relationships effectively. You're going to uh, be able to manage your reputation with wisdom. And I'm actually working on a project to put all of those pieces together. And in fact, it's going to be a book. So I'm writing that um, as we speak. Um, just finishing up the first chapter I'm saying over to the publishers. And that whole concept is leadership personified from the other side of the equation. So when companies have to manage all these contract workers, how are they going to do it? Well, you're not going to be doing it through all that shame and fear and power and intimidation. That's not going to be effective you're not going to be able to keep contractors coming back to work for you. So leadership as a whole is going to require that people learn how to manage those relationships. Uh, human resources departments, instead of doing talent recruitment, are going to be positioned to do talent management. Again, having to lead with emotional intelligence. You're going to have to know how to treat people. And that's my question to you. How do you lead? 
Are you inspiring people and motivating them? Are you attracting people that love to be around you, not because of your position or your role, but simply because you are who you are? I think there's elements of leadership that have to do with staying cool under pressure, that have to do with being okay not to be number one, to be the servant leader. And, and obviously Thomas talked a little bit about that in the show. I want to encourage you to dive in to learn more about yourself. That may require you that you go and read some personal development books or take some assessments for uh, disc profile or Myers-Briggs. You can simply search those terms on Google and find out what those are. They'll help you give an insight on who you are and how others perceive you. That's my encouragement for you today is to become the leader that is necessary for this upcoming tomorrow. So I'd love to hear what you think about today's program. If you come and find me on Twitter, I'm at Angus Nelson. You can shoot me some comments or questions. I would love to correspond with you. You can also email me at hello at Angus Nelson, and that's a great place to contact me as well. If you're looking for any of the links, uh, show notes for this episode, you can simply find those at angusnelson.com forward slash zero four two. I'd also like to encourage you once again, come and join our Facebook group. You can type in up in your business private group into your Facebook search bar. You can request entry. I'll make sure you get into the community. So other than that, we're going to call this show a wrap. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. Go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give is a referral to someone else. You can give it to them in person or by sharing it on the web. Keep taking your business up by getting up in your business. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not .com. <laughs>